grateful to God that he has made himself knowable to us. Just think about that for a moment, the absolute miracle and graciousness of God. If God really is God, he is totally other. He is totally transcendent. He is beyond our comprehension. Yet, in his grace, he's made himself knowable to puny little human brains like ours. He gives us metaphors, he gives us speech, he gives us language and illustrations that help us wrap our minds around his infinite goodness. For example, we know from scripture, he says that he is like a good shepherd and we are like a flock. Yeah, I can wrap my mind around that. I can see myself in God's flock and I can see him as a good shepherd. It points to the truth of who he is in his infinite goodness. Or whoever was here last week, you will probably never forget. Did you see yourself like I did in a lump of clay? I can wrap my mind around that. I saw myself in the lump of clay and I saw God in the hands of the potter, shaping me, turning me into a vessel of honor, wanting to pull out those things in my heart that are wounds which hinder me. We can wrap our minds around that. Well, tonight, I don't have any clay to show you or any other kind of metaphor, but I have Jehoiakim. And my hope, my prayer is that you all will see as vividly yourselves in Jehoiakim. I hope you'll see that as vividly as we all saw ourselves in the clay last week because it's quite remarkable. Last winter, when we were designing this summer series on people in the Bible who often don't get sermons preached about them, I was sitting around the table with Chuck and Jackie, and I said, ooh, ooh, I want to preach on Jehoiakim. And Chuck said, okay, why? And I said, there's this four verses at the end of 2 Kings. I can't wait to preach on it because it serves as a perfect metaphor, a perfect illustration for what happens to us because of the gospel, what happens to us because of the great love of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Jehoiakim was imprisoned. He was captive. He was graciously freed from his captivity and given a seat of honor where his daily needs were met for the rest of his life. Jehoiakim, for his part, all he does in the equation is change out of his clothes into new clothes. I want to show you tonight how Jehoiakim's story is our story because of Jesus Christ. And in the story of Jehoiakim, in these four simple verses, there are three movements of grace. And there are metaphors for the movements of grace, the three movements of grace that God shows all of us. The first one is that God saves us. If you've gone to church ever before, you've probably at least heard that. If you've been to a football game, maybe you've seen somebody hang up the sign that says, Jesus saves. This is his first big movement of grace. God saves us. He frees us. He rescues us. He releases us. Let's look at it in the text together. 2 Corinthians 25. We'll start with verse 27. Here's what it says. In the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the 12th month on the 27th day of the month. Now let me stop right there. That's basically just saying when Jehoiakim was at the end of his rope. 
This is an Old Testament way of saying his life was pretty much over. Uh, hope was lost when all, everybody had written him off. This is the Old Testament way of saying that. What happens to him while he's in captivity, while he's in imprisonment? Evil Merodach, king of Babylon. This is not a godly king, in case you can't tell by his name. So it's a surprise that this happens. The king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, now look at these next two words graciously freed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. Movement of grace number one, God saves us. He releases us from our captivity. Let me show you from the New Testament a couple of verses that show that what was true for Jehoiakim is true for us. Galatians 5 verse 1, it says this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set us free. He's released us from the captivity that sin causes. Or in Luke 4, verse 18, it's Jesus' very first public declaration, the first thing Jesus said publicly while he was here on earth. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is Jesus giving us his mission statement. This is why Jesus came from heaven to earth. God sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Do you ever wonder what the equation is between you and Jesus? He tells you right here. He came to set you free. He came to save you. Jesus didn't travel from heaven to earth to be your new life coach or to give you the power of positive thinking only, or to say, chin up, you can do it if you work hard enough. He came to save you, to set you free, to release you, just like this king of Babylon did for Jehoiakim when all hope was lost, he graciously freed us. Because sin holds us captive. Sin imprisons us. Sin enslaves us, and we need a rescuer. We need to be freed from our addiction to sin. Sin is very much like an addiction. Some of you have had actual, literal, physical, chemical addictions. Others of you have not. We've all had addiction, and we all have addiction to sin. I love going to AA meetings when they say, Hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. I wish we could all come to church. I wish I could say, hi, my name's Nathan, and I'm a recovering sinner. Because sin is like an addiction. We keep going back into it, don't we? We need to be set free. We need to be liberated. And with each of these movements of grace, this is just movement number one, God saves us. With each of these movements of grace, there's a grace command that comes with it. Did you notice in Galatians 5 verse 1 what the command is? Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Why do we do that? We've been graciously freed from our imprisonment to sin, yet we, we go right back into prison sometimes, right back into our captivity, right back into our addiction. How silly would it have been for Jehoiakim, after being graciously freed from prison, three weeks later to come back to the prison and knock on the door and say, can I come back in here now? That'd be crazy. Yet some of us return to our captivity. We submit again 
to a yoke of slavery. It's been happening since the beginning of time. The Israelites were freed from their captivity in Egypt. And as soon as they got out in the desert and it was uncomfortable following God's laws, they said, can we go back to Egypt? The cucumbers were great there. We all do this, but here's the grace command. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There's this woman that I know in town. She doesn't come to our church, but I know her uh, from town. And she has struggled with alcohol addiction before. And I love seeing her because often she'll give me the number of days or months that she's been sober. She'll say, oh, hey, Pastor Nathan, good to see you. Six months today. Or 250 days, she'll say. But, you know, last winter, I got a text from one of her friends saying, hey, I think you need to go see her in the hospital. She's in a lot of trouble. And I went to the hospital, and I met with her, and she had relapsed. She was in a really bad place, and I prayed with her. You know, I saw her again two weeks later in town. You know what she said? She had a bit of a measured smile, and she said, hey, Nathan, 14 days. And early this morning, I texted her just to ask her permission if I could share that story with you. And she said, absolutely, tell them. And you know what else I want you to tell them? Tell them 168 days today. (laughs) Christ has said, yeah, let's praise God for that. (laughs) This is movement of grace number one. God saves us. He graciously frees us. The grace command that comes with it, don't return again. But guess what? Even if we do return again to our yoke of slavery, if we go back into our addiction to sin, guess what he'll do over and over and over again? He'll save us. You know, in a lot of churches, the sermon concludes right there. God saves. Jesus saves. Praise God. We give. That's enough. Actually, that could be enough for us to say, hallelujah, praise God. We could go home. That would be enough. But there's more. There's more movements of his grace. There's more to Jehoiakim's story than just being released from prison. And there's more to your story than just being saved from your sin. You see, the king of Babylon didn't just free Jehoiakim from prison and say, good luck out there on the streets. He saved him. God saves us. And then he seats us. He seats us. Let me explain what I mean by that. Let's look at verse 28. Here's what it says. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. He graciously freed him from prison, and then he gave him a seat above the seats of the kings. Let me explain that. So in the ancient world, in palaces where the people would dine, there would be a great big area where lots of people would, would be eating their food, but then there'd be some kind of elevated platform where the king's table would be. And in order to communicate to the nation who the king wanted to esteem, who he wanted to lift up and honor before all the people, he would place people strategically around that table. This is what this king of Babylon did for Jehoiakim. He saved him, but then he seated him. For all the people to see, this person's given a seat of honor now. I wonder how many people dining in that big dining hall thought to themselves or said to each other, isn't that the guy who was just in prison? Look where he is now. 
God has done the same thing for us. He doesn't just free us from our captivity to sin. He gives us a new place in his kingdom. He gives us a seat at his table. Let's look at what it says in the New Testament. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he's loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He saves us and then he seats us. Where? In the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You are no longer defined by your sinfulness, by your captivity to your sin. You are now defined by your proximity to Jesus Christ himself, the King of kings. You and I have seats at his table. Do you ever have people in your life who say, hey, isn't that the lady who used to, now where is she? Hey, isn't that the guy who used to, now look at him, now look at her. We are seated in the heavenly places. We are no longer defined. And this is where the grace command comes in. Jehoiakim, when he was invited to come to the king's table, he did something, didn't he? Let's look at verse 29. This is where the grace command comes in, when we know we've been saved and seated. Look at what Jehoiakim did. So Jehoiakim put off his prison garments. He changed his clothes. Wouldn't it be weird if he hadn't? If he was given that seat of honor for all to look at and behold, and he was still in his orange jumpsuit, that's probably not what they wore back then, but if he was still in his prison garments and he showed up at the table where all the other kings were sitting, at the king's table, no, he had to change his garments. This is the grace command that comes in for us. He saves us and he seats us, and so the grace command is that we ought to act appropriately. We don't just show up at the king's table wearing the garments with the behaviors and the attitudes of our sinful ways. Let's look at what it says again in the New Testament, Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24. Christ commands us then to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God has seated you at the highest place, the place of honor and esteem. And some of us, even though we've been saved and we've been seated, we show up to God's table still in our prison garments with our behaviors and our attitudes and our tendencies that reflect our old self, our sinful self, the one that was locked in the prison of sin. And guess what? It's totally inappropriate for God's table. He says, put off those prison garments, put off your old self, put on the new self by the renewal from the Holy Spirit, the renewal of our minds, put on behaviors and attitudes and tendencies and patterns that are appropriate for people who dine with the king. Now I want to point out something here that's very important theologically. Some of you grew up, some of us grew up, in church environments that were very legalistic. And let me tell you what legalism says about this. Legalism says, act appropriately, behave yourself, 
do the right things, be a good person, and God will reward you for that by giving you a seat at his table. Do you notice that the gospel is actually the opposite of that? In his grace, he's given us a seat at his table, not because we've earned it. And because of his grace, because we can approach his table in freedom and, and by his grace, as a response to that, we change our behaviors and our attitudes and our tendencies. We take off our prison garments. We put off our old self. Why? Not because we're trying to earn a place at the table, because, but because it's appropriate. It'd be absurd if Jehoiakim showed up at the table in his prison garments, and it's absurd if we show up at the king's table still holding on to, the, to those old ways of life. In our new self, we are reflecting the righteousness and goodness of Jesus Christ himself. Now I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you what some of those things, those tendencies, those behaviors, those patterns might be that God's saying, don't do that anymore. You're defined now not by your captivity to sin, but by your proximity to Jesus. Maybe there's things in your life, there's business deals you can't make anymore. There's things you can't say on the golf course anymore. There's websites you can't go to anymore. There's things, there's patterns, there's tendencies, there's even hard attitudes that are no longer appropriate for a person who dines at the king's table. And you dine at the king's table. God saves us and he seats us and there's still more. There's one more movement of his grace. God saves us, God seats us, and he sustains us. He sustains our lives. Let's look again at verse 29 and we'll keep reading from there. Look what it says. Uh, Jehoiakim can put off his prison garments and every day of his life, he dined regularly at the king's table. And for his allowance, a regular allowance was given him by the king according to his daily needs as long as he lived. You see, the king who graciously freed Jehoiakim from prison, he saved him and then he seated him. And he didn't just bring him up to his table for one meal. He didn't just bring him up to his table long enough for the photo op, for the newspapers to get their picture so he could show the whole nation how gracious he was to this guy. His grace was extended to Jehoiakim every day of his life for the rest of his life. And God's grace is extended to you today, tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after until the day you die when you fall into his eternal arms of grace. It's all grace from here on forward. Some of you know he saved you. Some of you even know that you've been seated in the heavenly places. But and this is when I need to really start preaching to my own heart. Because I need to know, I need to remember that he sustains my life. Every breath, every heartbeat, every meal, every paycheck, every loving person. God is sustaining my life. He didn't just save me to give himself a photo op for the universe, get a little bit of glory. He did it because he loves me enough to sustain me every single day. Let's look at the words of Jesus and what Jesus says. Again, I just really need to hear this myself. I pray that Jesus, he, he said these words I'm about to read at the Sermon on the Mount, and I pray that time and space are collapsed, and he says it right into your heart tonight. Here's what Jesus said. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? You know, I'll be honest with you, if I was Jehoiakim, having been graciously freed from prison and given a seat at the king's table, if that was me, this is just me being honest with you guys. This is me showing you my own heart. After day three or four or maybe day 28, I might have woken up in the morning and thought, I wonder if he's going to accept me at his table again today. I wonder if he's really going to keep doing this. He was very gracious in freeing me from my captivity. He was really gracious in giving me a seat at that table. But is he going to keep doing this every day? I tell you that, confessing that to you, because that's kind of how I treat God sometimes. I get anxious. I have no reason to be anxious. My wife will tell you when, the, when I, do the, I do the budgeting in our household, when the paychecks come in and the bills go out, that is fraught with anxiety for me. Anyone else here feel anxious about that sort of thing? You know, some of you know this. I've been doing research for my doctorate on the correlation between the gospel and material wealth. And I've interviewed a whole bunch of people, some people who make obscene amounts of money and some people who don't make much money at all. Do you know the common thread I've seen in almost all of them? Anxiety. Even if you have a ton, people are anxious about their finances. So the third movement of God's grace is that he sustains us in the grace command that comes with it. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. He sustains us every day. I had breath going in and out of my lungs all night as I slept last night. Anyone else? My heart kept beating as I slept all of last night, not because of my own will, but because God programmed something into my body that would allow me to keep being sustained even as I sleep. His faithfulness, his mercies are new every morning. Now, I don't know where you are on the spectrum, where you are in the journey. Maybe you just need to hear tonight that God saves, that Jesus saves. Maybe you're still in that imprisonment to sin. Maybe you've just recently kind of stepped out of your old life your old self. And the grace command you need to hear tonight is do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. God saves. Maybe you know that, 
You know that Jesus is your Savior, that he came and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, to set you free. Maybe you just need to know tonight that you've been seated in the heavenly places. That's where your position is now. You are no longer defined by your imprisonment to sin. You are now defined by your proximity to the God of the universe, the King of all kings. So the admonition for you tonight is act appropriately. Put off your old self. You won't be able to do it on your own. You need the renewal of your mind through the Holy Spirit. But start acting appropriately as somebody who dines at the king's table. Maybe you already know that, and maybe you're like me. I'm preaching to my own heart here. You just need to know that God has saved you, God has seated you, and he sustains you every day. And the admonition for you, the admonition for me, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. We've been saved, we've been seated, and we are being sustained by his grace. Amen.